Welcome back to Troubled, a podcast by survivors for survivors of institutional abuse and the general public. Our goal is to break the hypnosis of America's largest and most horrific open secret since the assimilation of the indigenous, which for the record, guys, is literally still happening, literally still happening. America has had a predatory preference for mass legal for-profit child abduction, trafficking, detainment, torture, and literal murder. This has been going on forever. And this is a global issue, but we're in the States, so we're going to speak about it from Turtle Island, where we reside. There is a heavy trigger warning on every single little bit of content that we put out there, whether it's on the podcast, our social medias, or upcoming website, www.talktroubled.org. Trigger warning, uh, please understand that we are discussing subject matter that while it happened to us as children is not remotely appropriate for children. Um, And unfortunately, for those of us who are survivors or just sensitive beings, this subject matter is practically traumatizing. We are discussing the rape and murder of children and the and straight up animal abuse. Uh, this episode doesn't have animal abuse, so you're welcome. Uh, we have had an exceptional amount of suicides, which I will find a better word to use because I'm offended by the word itself um, in our community. This episode is dedicated to Joe Barnett. And we will be sharing GoFundMe information for his family, as well as information for you to get involved with donating for mental health support for survivors. If you are a mental health professional in the United States or, you know, service the United States and you're willing to either do pro bono or very low skill mental health support for survivors, uh, please email us thetroubledpodcast at gmail.com. We have only three so far and we desperately need to recruit more of you because our friends are dying. Um, let's get at it. All right. So it has been a few months since we have, uh, gotten all deep down and dirty with the whole circle of hope travesty unfolding the American true crime, true story happening in real time. You guys, if you're on the social medias and you're following Amanda Householder and Chanel, both of which have been on this podcast, but it's been a while. And so both of them are back. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hello. (laughs) All right. Doing a three-way through call. So um, I there's been so much. So I really want Chanel and Amanda to fill us in um, and get us cute on some action items. So uh, I where do you even start with updates on this? Oh, gosh, there's so many. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> we can start with August 14th and the 15th. The girls were removed by DSS and yes. um, placed in different places. And a huge investigation was done, which resulted in a search warrant. And um, I don't know what came from the search warrant yet, but I'm hoping a lot of good stuff. So there's that. <laughs> well, that's 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 pretty big. That's a pretty big place to start. Okay. Um. So, okay. One thing we want to clarify to everybody when they're hearing about these closures, like with Lakeside and Circle of Hope, um, yeah. <clears throat> you said those girls were sent to various places. What does that even mean? Some were sent to a Joplin. Um, yeah, a place in Joplin, Missouri, and some were sent to like foster care homes. Like little that, family. Like temp- yeah, temporarily. temporarily. Okay. While um, CPS was doing the investigation. I don't know what's gone on since then. I know some girls have been sent home. I don't know what's mm-hmm. happened after. And have you guys had any contact with any parents from any of these girls? 
No. There was one parent that um, reached out to me, but he took his daughter out like two weeks before CPS came in and did all of this. Okay. Because of him talking to you or that was before he ever spoke with you? Um, He didn't speak to me. He was speaking to other girls that had went there, but he watched a whole bunch of our videos and stuff like that and started speaking to some of the survivors and um, just something in him and his wife told them to go get their daughter. And literally on the way to go get their daughter, um, my mom and dad called them like freaking out, yelling at them that they needed to come get their daughter. And they're like, Whoa, calm down, calm down. We're on our way. And so um, basically another phone call came in and the daughter's like yelling at them saying, I don't want to take this anymore. Um, I'm tired of babysitting these girls. Cause as Chanel knows, um, the girls are the ones who take care of the girls. Like while my parents sit up in their office, go over the cross street, go to town, like the girls are watching the girls. And yeah. so, um, she was basically just telling her parents all of that. And so as soon as they got to circle of hope, they took their daughter straight to, um, the sheriff's sure. department and she gave her statement. <sighs> wow. You guys. Okay. So because you've been getting your stories out there, you're now connecting with parents. You're connecting with girls that just got out of circle of hope. Um, also the media, the media has been picking up, but, um, can you just like plug, uh, your amazing little local reporter that's been doing a series on the girls? Cause I'm loving her. <laughs> Catherine Skopek and the editor is Miles Miles Bright. They have been like absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, can't remember if they reached out to me in June or July, but the moment they reached out to me, Chanel can vouch for this. They've been like super kind and like wanting to make sure the story is accurate and um just out there. They want to do all of the survivor stories, not just ours they want to make sure all the survivors are heard so yeah they've spoken, to, they've spoken to many of the girls um from circle of hope i think they're going to be bringing are they the ones that are bringing out the story once a week or is it once every two weeks um from what my understanding was it was once every week yeah because they're going to bring out a survivor story once every week who did they do last time who was the the parents stories yeah the parents stories because uh because also um, Kelsey's mom, she's reached out to you as well, hasn't she? Donna, yes. Yeah. I guess she wasn't the first lady, but she's the first lady that I know of um, that contacted DSS. She is definitely the first lady that put it all over the internet and pushed as hard. Um, actually, in 2000, and I think it was 2016 when I reached out to her, she was um, rooting for us, but she was doing a lot of other things within her life. So she was stepping away from it. But to this year, actually 2020, I reached out to her and I sent her the link and she called me and she was in tears, like happy tears. And she's like, Amanda, this is what I've been fighting for all these years. She's like, I contacted nine different agencies. She even went as far as contacting the postal man, uh, the postal master, because um, Chanel can vouch for this as well. Um, Some girls, when they got packages, my dad would have the girl open the package and then the girl Mm -hmm. had to hand out everything in the package to all the other girls. Yeah, she she didn't get anything, and so her mom wanted to get him on mail fraud. <laughs> hey, I yeah. mean, you'll get what you can get with it, right? Oh, dude, everything she did, I think, is so amazing because we have all of that documentation out there, and and it's proof that it's been 
at least since 2007 that there's been documentation that it's been a bad place. Yeah, because I think she got her stuff, yeah, it was 2007, because when I was looking online about my runaway stuff, her, all her stuff came up as well, yep. with all the st- pictures and everything. Well, to further like uh, solidify the plug, though, on these articles, this is the Cedar County Republican. And yes. so no matter where you are, you can read this online. And this def- please support these little local papers that are willing to cover these stories. Because Chanel, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it months ago that you were doing all these interviews in the UK? And we were like, oh, thank God they'll be able to actually publish these stories there because Circle of Hope, of course, doesn't have a reach across the, you know, the big pond. But what happened with all that? Oh, it's been like, (laughs) so basically I did uh, a magazine um, article, but then it's shut down. For some reason it went um, to higher authority and they said, well, no, not, uh, we're not allowed to publish anything yet. And then I was talking to another company and I just found out recently the person I was speaking to has left the company and she didn't want to inform me. So, uh, but they did say to me, they really apologize and they're going to be ringing me uh, next week because they want to get me and Amanda on a podcast in their place. So I don't know. I've been pushing at it, but I can't, I don't know what's going on really, to be honest with the media over it. Yeah, well, we thought we were safe over there. I mean, we're not surprised when the media over here won't talk about it. I mean, other than the Cedar County Republican, like nobody would touch it at all until (laughs) they officially announced the investigation. And then everyone was just like throwing your little like uh, Cedar County reporter like over and they're like, let me get through. (laughs) Yeah, that was frustrating. (laughs) She does all the work. She had to fight really hard to make sure content stayed in the articles in the beginning. And then as soon as like, you know, the lawyers are like, go ahead. They, they you know, they report it. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous hoops. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it, sh- it should have been done sooner, but thank God it's done now. Yeah. Thank I'm... God it's done now. So it's re- yeah. been really good what's happening. Um, yeah. I'm very happy with like our compliments. I'm glad Circle of Hope is actually closed now. I, yeah, as I say, I'm seriously thankful for the three little small town heroes, Catherine, Miles, and James, because yeah. if it weren't for those three, we would not, we would still be where we were at. Yeah, definitely. Oh, 100%. Like, and, and those are the stories worth telling. And, and I don't know uh, how close are we to finally being able to talk with them or tell those stories about what epic, like real life heroes these people were. Like, are we able to even talk about this stuff yet? Like, <laughs> I don't want to sure. blow up their spot. We'll wait. But James, he's such a little um, heart, like sweetheart. I don't think he wants all of the publicity. I think he wants to remain James before all of this. <laughs> okay, we'll talk, to, talk to him about what about the role that he played or that you're allowed to divulge. Because I think that he did play a genuine real-life hero for me. He did. Um, yeah, and definitely. very akin to our, our favorite Alabama sheriff, you know? Like, oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, and I, I yeah. feel like uh, for survivors like us, like having real-life people like that, knowing they're out there and doing what he did and and everything, it's just kind of, it just really feels good. It's like a Band-Aid. It's, you know, it's... We want to get them something. I, we don't know what it is yet, but we want to get them something that we can all sign and give to them. So. Oh, that, yeah, definitely. 
<laughs> you guys with your reunion. No, but seriously, uh, it's been incredible how quickly this has been accomplished. Um, I mean, this is why, uh, you know, when we have such limited attention in life, it's like I focus so much on you guys because you're really you're 100 percent for it and you've done absolutely everything you needed to do. And and I honestly, I, you know, I can't think of a program that got closed in like eight months. I mean, I know that you've been working on it for years. I get it. But I feel like you set a goal, you know, when you started doing your whole, like, everybody listen to my story campaign, pieces of victory, the hammer, everybody, you need to plug everywhere you've been because we're not going to cover all the sidesteps and details of like how this journey went. But this was incredibly quick, you guys. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thanks to Janine. Like Janine has covered, I think she said seven or eight survivors alone of Circle of Hope. And she has been like... (laughs) pushing it but not only is she pushing it Chanel can also vouch for this and I know you can too Miranda she's like a sister mm-hmm. yeah definitely she's always checking up with me on whatsapp how yeah. are you today <laughs> she's <always laughs> so lovely <laughs> I can't actually she, wait to meet her to be honest <laughs> she is like a true hero to the survivor community she is she's uh, she's been working so hard not just on circle of hope but um all of lighthouse, them. all of them Loads yeah. of places, and she works her ass off. Yeah, she does. She really does. So if some if some people listening aren't familiar with Janine Miller, Janine Miller is a survivor of it's it was Victory Christian Academy at the time, right? Yes, and, our sister's and, school. Yeah, it's an IFB Luster roll-off program, and that's the one, correct me if I'm wrong, is that the one that turned into Lighthouse Academy? Yeah. Yes. yes. And yeah. I think it was Genesis by the Sea at one point as well. Oh, shit, you guys. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> Well, I just have to pull up heel online. And oh, I know. The list. Oh I bet it's like six. It's pro- it was probably also elevations, you know. Um, I'm not even kidding. Like, ele- <laughs> it's popping in my head. Um, so Janine Miller wrote a book called Pieces of Victory, which you can get. Don't get it from Amazon, you guys. Fuck Jeff Bezos. Buy it from Janine's website. Get yeah. her to sign it. Put something in it. And uh, if you just want to bond hardcore with this amazing inspiration in the survivor community, her program, it's like a TV show. It's a talk show. Really it's so good. It's yeah. amazing. And it's got all your favorite people, including Amanda and Chanel. And like I said, they, she's interviewed more of the Circle of Hope survivors than anybody and their parents as well. Um, and so pieces of victory on YouTube, you can binge away. Um, a lot of the people that you've heard on this podcast and that you'll hear on the other podcasts, you can actually see them and we hate doing video interviews. So like that you don't get this often, you guys. So just check it out. Yeah. She's really good too. Yeah. She handles the stories so well. So. Yeah. And she's, well, she's coming from that survivor perspective. So she's like yeah. very protective of you guys and, yeah, definitely. you know, and creating that safe space for you to tell those stories and, and, uh, that big sister energy. You're totally right. We need like, uh, as breaking code silence becomes like this mass public thing. And there's all like these new baby vampire survivors, like coming out of their cocoons, like cicada land. Um, uh, I think we, they, everybody needs to like, remember that there were generations before us that those yes. of us who hopped on TikTok were not like the <laughs> first people to talk about the trouble no. industry. <laughs> we were just okay. the ones that got it to the um the younger generation and like TikTok basically. And if if it weren't for Janine, Angela Smith, um um Jody Hobbs and all of the other people, Miranda, like all of the other people that have been talking about it for years, I don't think it would be as big as it is now because they've yeah. been doing all of the footwork online. 
we've yeah. just been sharing the stories, telling people to go look it up. That's a good way to put it. And beyond beyond online, they were the ones going to Congress and rewriting bills. You know, like when when we're sharing all the my viral videos are literally just clips of them, you guys. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. They did all of like all of the hard work. Well, they're the ones that we contact for advice. Yeah, they're the ones that dragged us into yeah. it. And then yeah. <laughs> they, just dra- they dragged us in and then COVID happened and, and they have kids and stuff. So a lot of them were like, hold my phone. Like, you guys got this for a minute, right? And we're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, found, we found TikTok. We were t- I was yeah. telling my own 14-year-old to, to get the fuck off. Well, because my 14-year-old, you guys, like, yeah. for a year, I was like, uh, let me see that. What are you doing? What are you doing? And she's just, like, singing with strangers, you know, when it was musically. <laughs> And then it was Reddit, really, you know, Trouble Teen subreddit, you guys. Someone put up that one of Leela Jude where she was doing that put a finger down wilderness therapy challenge where and I was oh, like, yeah. oh, my God, this is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she wasn't really like if I remember correctly, was hers like she liked it there, right? If I remember. No, no. no well, that's complicated. And I don't know that I want to uh, because I haven't gotten her on the podcast yet. So but you know what? I don't know that I want. Uh, we'll see. Whatever. So, yeah, Leela Jute. So, you guys check it out. It was that viral one that y'all pub, like, put yeah. in Trouble Teen Reddit. So, you're yeah. right. That that first one wasn't – I liked it. The first one was – it was traumatizing. However, her and – but mostly the others were making more of a joke of wilderness. So, I want to remind you guys. That's what it was. All, okay. Yeah. They were like, oh, yeah. I was gone for, like, three months. Where was I? Woo, starving in the woods. You know? And it was like, ooh, you guys. But it's like, it kills kids. What's up? Um. And so I, number one, uh, a lot of those kids literally just went to wilderness. And I know that's hard for people to imagine that we're permanently dumped in these programs till they aged out. But some kids really do just go for three months in wilderness and go home. Um, And so there was a lot of that. And then number two, these kids are literally right out of these programs. They're 16 and 17 years old. Yeah. Right. So they, they haven't even like framed this as trauma um even yeah. if it was yeah three months wow i remember yeah i remember when what? i um like when i first came out with a tiktok there was a guy that went to wilderness camp that was like all over my tiktok like telling me that he had a great time there and stuff and i was like yeah no i get that like which is it's honestly ask chanel there were girls at circle of hope that didn't I don't want to say they didn't have a bad time, but when they got out still to this day, they don't see that it was bad, if that makes sense. Yeah. So to us, it was, but there are some people out there that don't see that. And I, their story should be heard too. So it shows the whole like. From both sides. Yeah, because some people did get it. I'm not really like quite easy. You know what I mean? Some people quite do, easier. We yeah, easier. Yeah, they did get yeah. it quite easier because they got like under Boyd's um like wing and they just literally went up the shirt colours and they never got in trouble. I don't think they ever got restrained. They never really got any push ups either. Like they literally just went oh, straight up there. Boys- I was going to say, there's even boys at Agape that um, still to this day tell us to be quiet because it wasn't that bad. But it's because they, I don't want to say drank the Kool-Aid, but they just learned very quickly 
how to act and not act so they didn't get the harsh punishments like my friend he um called me yesterday and he's like dude agape he's like i did witness a lot of stuff he's like but nothing ever happened to me and i was like yeah i get that and he's one that's told us to be quiet i was like but you still said you witnessed stuff yeah yeah but okay also lucinda from like heps of a house oh. right there's that stuff too like straight up aunt lucinda yeah, aunt lucinda. <laughs> um you know like what about people who came from things that were worse and so yeah. comparatively speaking this wasn't so bad yeah. yeah that's also true amanda you just brought up agape um so our let's let's uh segue into that for a second i would love to have that conversation i don't know that we've really talked about agape boarding school for boys in missouri on the podcast maybe briefly during your episode right i think briefly because we brought up the kelsos and how they were sent away there okay so um reminder to everyone amanda's dad worked at agape before he started circle have a lot of guys that started a lot of programs actually uh agape is like a breeding ground for new programs um and it's been around for what 30 years yes it well it started in othello washington um in 1990 so yes 30 years is the program in washington still around no it was actually shut down due to asbestos and so um instead of um cleaning up the property and doing what law enforcement wanted Jim Clemenson to do, he picked up and moved um, with a guy named Nathan Day, actually, because he was a co-founder of Agape to Missouri. Okay, so this program is heavily abusive. Um, Most people who are actually within the troubled teen industry like us have heard of Agape. Um, You know, even if they don't know someone from Agape, it's pretty, it's like Tranquility Bay. Like everybody knows about Tranquility Bay, Casa by the Sea, you know, and Agape is definitely one of those. Um, the whole family that runs it, from what you've told me in our endless conversations about it, is like freaking some sort of backwoods alley inbred, like mafiosa family where they're raping each other and sending the girls away and wiping the guys' records, right? Tell me more about that, girl. What's up? Oh, yeah. So 2017, um, The grandson, Jim Clemenson's grandson, uh, Jareth Clemenson, actually um, was caught raping one of his siblings. And she actually, instead of um, getting therapy or getting actual help, she got sent away to Circle of Hope. Um, Her brother, from what I was told, he got an apartment in Branson, Missouri. But... (laughs) Not even, I think it was 2019, he was caught again. But uh, the charges this time, instead of saying 14 to 17, it says 13 to 17. Mm. And so um, he's a reoffender. And he got four months for that. But um, I've heard multiple. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Wasn't there two? Two incidents? Because didn't we see something the other... That's the reasons. Yeah. Um, But then Brian Clemenson, the guy who is now the, um, the head person, the, the owner since Jim, Jim Clemenson has cancer. He, from what I've heard stories of, he's, he's walked into a room when students were doing things to a kid and then just walked out. 
And so like, it's, it's things that have happened. They've been under, or they've been sued for rape in 2004. The um, victim actually won. Um, It's, it's just, it definitely goes on there. It's pretty messed up. Yeah. As can be uh, supported by the body trail at Agape. Um, I don't know how much you're comfortable talking about, but Agape has been going through a lot lately and I think it's important to raise awareness. So, I mean, what do you want to say? Yeah. Just, just this year alone. Um, I've had five friends commit suicide. One specifically in his suicide letter brings up Agape. Um, I've had another friend just to share alone, tell me he wanted to speak out on it. And, um, like no shit, four days later, he sends a picture, um, of his wrist from his wrist to his elbow that he slipped trying to kill himself. And this guy has four kids and he would have left his four kids. My friend, Joe Barnett, who mentions his suicide letter, Agape, um, he left behind his wife and three kids and his wife is having a really hard time because, um, she's left to be a stay-at-home, a single mother, but she's also on disability, so she can't. It's just really hard on her right now, so she's going through a lot. And the effects of agape last forever, and they don't just traumatize the students; they traumatize their families. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, is there a GoFundMe for his wife and children? Yes. Can we link? Absolutely. So the GoFundMe um, for him will be linked in uh, the description of this episode and we'll post it everywhere. So if, you know, if anybody can and feels like supporting this family, this is pretty horrific. Um, And I'm, I'm concerned that COVID is kind of putting these people in this position, you know, where they can't get away. Yeah, Definitely. We've had seven, um, seven, including the suicide uh, alone um, due to OD. So that I honestly do feel is also COVID putting a lot of pressure on them because I don't know about you guys, but just being locked at home myself was really like, it just put me back there. Yeah. Yeah. How's it been for you, Chanel? Oh, I think we might be going back into another lockdown, to be honest. And this is what everyone's saying. Um, and then, for, like, for two weeks in October. Um, so that means I'll be stopped working again and everything like that. I don't think I could cope for another lockdown, to be honest. I don't like being locked up. Uh, it's just... Uh... Sorry, I'm really upset about the whole Agape thing. I just want to help them, guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah stories. Yeah. Just like, well, I've got tears coming down my eyes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me the put myself owner. together. Or... <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to help them. I did put a post up on one of our pages to try and see if anyone can, like, send, like, short clips, like, of that five-finger thing, so it, or, like, saying, I see you, Survivor, to try and see if we can reach out. But I don't want to push anyone to re-traumatise them, so... Hopefully, fingers crossed, some people will start reaching out. Well, per the re-traumatizing, so uh, Chanel, Amanda, and myself are all on the board of the Exposing Circle of Hope nonprofit. 
Um, we have been in contact with a few, not many, not nearly enough mental health providers that are willing to offer either free or low cost, which will have to raise money to get donations to cover mental health access for survivors. And Agape is really our main focus right now. Um, so Amanda, if the audience would like to donate towards mental health support for survivors, um, how can they donate through the nonprofit? So it's a tax deduction. Tax deduction. Well, right now it's through the GoFundMe because um, for some reason we have too many members on the board, even though when I was setting it up, legal zoom told me to have, I can have anywhere between five to 10. And so I have five people on there, but apparently I have too many. So I have to fix that. And that's going to take however long until they get me that I have my EIN number but when I tried putting it into the GoFundMe, it's not it's not popping up yet. So, okay, well we'll figure it out too. Because is there there's a PayPal as well, right? I do have a PayPal. Yes. What is the PayPal? Um, I think proofsnell.com. Let me let we'll me link give you it. the link. So it'll, yeah, it'll say- be linked. It, well, there's going to be lots of links. We'll have the GoFundMe. Like we'll have multiple GoFundMe's because also there's a GoFundMe because the circle of hope girls are going back to Missouri and that's another opportunity to deal with agape. So if anybody wants to go deal with agape in November, um, no, November 14th and the 15th, we are having a protest outside of Cedar County, um, um, courthouse. And, um, that's going to be for agape wings of faith and circle of hope. I know circle of hope is closed down, but we still need to get Boyd and Stephanie held accountable. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, it'd be super cool if randomly like a million people listen to this and show up with us in Missouri. That'd be awesome. Yes, it is open to the public. It is open to the public. Please, if you guys like want to hang out with, you know, our voices inside our bodies (laughs) and like join us in a really worthy cause. um, We are asking if you went to a program, though, that you show up in a similar attire to what you were made to wear because we want to show the numbers from the public um, to the students that had to endure these types of schools so people can see see the need because we might have state legislators. I let Carrie Engel know and she said that she is going to see if she can be there and she's going to see if she can get any other state legislators there. And so we want to show the huge need for this. Yes, that so that also what Amanda's referring to is that, oh, my gosh, do you have the quotes from that um, Dingle Hopper guy? So, OK, I'm sorry, you guys, ADHD, everybody forgive me. You know, so basically the question when the articles finally happened about Circle of Hope was like, how is this allowed to happen? Like, it's the only time this has ever happened and Circle of Hope is the only one in Missouri, please. And it's because of the religious exemption, of course, for the IFB Lester Roloff programs. That's where you can really get them. Um, And so there was a Dinglehopper comment, which... um, As promised, here's some commentary from a local lawmaker in Missouri about his BFFs, the householders who run Circle of Hope. He told the star, and this gentleman's name is Stevens, forgive my inability to remember his name in the commentary after this. This was recorded a few days later. Stephen says, I'm real upset and worried that they're being crushed. They as in the householders, their lives are being crushed over allegations that I'm concerned about. They're just desperate 
They've devoted their lives to the care of these children, and now their reputations are being trashed and ruined. They're being vilified. They feel that they are completely innocent. He told um, the star that authorities, the sheriffs, had come broken down the door at Circle of Hope and took the surveillance equipment, and that's what he was told. The lawmaker said that he has a long familiarity with Circle of Hope and has known the householders for more than a decade um, and says that dealing with troubled youth can be very difficult and challenging proposition. He says the teens know the system and know how to work it. These kids, this is a quote, that end up in these homes, they're practiced and expert manipulators. They just are. You may not want to hear that. Uh, We don't. But um, continuing, based on his experience with the householders for over a decade, he says that they've conducted themselves in a very upright manner. I know their character and I know their heart, he said. I just have a hard time embracing the idea that they are serial abusers. Several times during his conversation with the star, Stevens did point out that while he vouches for the householders as longtime friends who were deeply religious, he can't possibly know what has gone on inside the walls of Circle of Hope over the years. He says, I wasn't in a closet watching every move every day, he said. I don't lay claim to knowing everything that has gone on all the time. Were there lines crossed in their approach? There's no way for me to say so, and I want to make that clear. So Carrie Ingle, who we'll discuss in a moment, is a new legislator in Missouri, and she also commented in this article with the Kansas City Star. She said that people can appear to be upstanding citizens in all other facets of their life and still harm children. She said, I experienced that a plethora of times during my career at the Children's Division, where someone who otherwise seems to be on the up and up has the capacity to hurt the people they are in charge of. Stevens. Okay. <laughs> what's his name? Um, Mike Palm Stevens, guy. I think. Yeah. What, what's his, he was a policy guy in Missouri. That's what's up. He's a lawmaker, I think, for, or a representative for Bolivar, Missouri, the town that they're close to. Okay. I've never heard of Bolivar, Missouri. I'm sorry that this is why the world hears of Bolivar, Missouri. Um, you <laughs> it's know actually a nice little town um, i'm sure I, they are yeah. they should be upset they should they, they should be in front of this man's house oh. because this is <laughs> yeah. also this is ridiculous okay so this concept of um these chicks are lying these people didn't do this but i never like was there for it this is the same as when my dad got like bless his heart is like Donald Trump didn't rape anybody. Donald Trump wouldn't rape anybody. But even if Donald Trump raped anybody, I'm still gonna vote for him. You know what uh, I mean? Yes. Like, how does that make any sense? Like, you're hurting my brain. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't. So, I at least Karen Ingalls understands. Is her name Karen Ingalls, or did I just like Car- have a little help? Carrie, Carrie Ingalls. Okay. So Carrie Ingalls understands that this is a ludicrous statement this man is making and that we should not like religious protection. When Jesus, the good Lord Yeshua said, bring the little children to me. I don't think this is what he meant for. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't. Right. (laughs) It wasn't some weird, creepy Grecian, like little boys with olives in their anuses like magical moment like musical right oh hell no no (laughs) where are the christians speaking up about this 
We do. I thankfully I've been having some reach out to me telling me thank you uh, or not. Thank you. uh, Letting me know that um, they are Christians and that they don't stand for this. And I do thank them so much for doing that. But more and more Christians need to start standing up for this. More and more Christians need to start speaking out that this is messed up and this is not how we we are, because a lot of them get offensive, um, offended and when we speak out and it's like, no, we're not telling you that you're this way. We're telling you that this is how people are using your religion mm-hmm. against little kids and they're traumatizing them forever. I have met some really nice Christians, you know what I yeah. mean? Some really like down to earth, like people that I really like. It's just the, well, the people that own these places, they're just disguising themselves as Christians. But you Chanel are a perfect example of the danger. So like if I believe that, you know, Yeshua is the way and the light and you need that, like uh shouldn't I be really fucking pissed off that someone used him to abuse you and thus to turn you away from him forever because we talked about it more at length in your episodes. So people can go back and listen to that. But briefly, who got forcibly coercively converted, Chanel? Sorry, say that again. Who got coercively converted, Chanel? Me? What does coercively mean? Co- Sorry? Under coercion. Like, well, I mean, did you want to be no, baptized I again? At, uh... No, I got baptized. I got forced to baptize. I got restrained for 45 minutes because I didn't want to read the Bible. Um, yeah, so, and I didn't, I was brought up in Catholic as well. So I didn't really know much about Baptist till I moved to America. Um and yeah, and I didn't. I got forced to be saved by Jesus Christ so I could work up the shirt colors. So number one, I was raised Catholic as well. I started in Montessori at three years old, and I went to an all-girl Catholic school prior, you know, to the cult. Um, and I was never abused in a Catholic capacity, and I was an altar server and everything. So my credentials are there. I've done every sacrament, but confirmation which was always my plan because i'm non-religious thank you anyways um since when was jesus christ not our home dog as catholic kids like why did you even need to convert to baptist i don't you guys i don't understand that amanda what is that why can't i love jesus as a catholic what's wrong well let's just say uh my mom was raised catholic and my dad was raised baptist my mom grew up despising her mother for some reason I wasn't there so I can't speak on why I just know my grandma never harmed me anyway and um for some reason my mom despised my grandma and my dad despised my grandma but my dad despised my grandma because my grandma didn't want my mom to be (laughs) with my dad and uh, my grandma is very catholic and so I think that's where my dad's hatredism or hatred whatever towards catholic Catholicism came from um and just my whole life I was raised to believe Catholics are going to hell Catholics are evil um honestly I was 18 when my grandpa died but I was so traumatized thinking he was going to hell because he was Catholic that's really sad um but also like what about Methodists and Lutherans So everybody but Baptists. Everybody but Baptists, but their hatreds towards Catholics were way worse. 
I mean, I get it. Um, uh, Catholics were pretty freaking cool, like big colonizers. Yeah. Um, so I dig it. Um, that's why my family's Catholic because of colonization, not because, you know, their culture thought it was a good idea. In fact, they died to not. But anyways, like, I don't get it. Also, John the Baptist, like from my memory, uh, not only was he like a reincarnated folk, that's pretty cool, but was like super sexy and um, super like BFFy with his like cousin soulmate Jesus. So this whole thing is like pretty barbaric. Uh, anyways, Chanel, uh, because I feel like we didn't drive it home. Uh, can like, what's up? Like how, like how did Burian Baptist Church allow children to be forcibly converted at their church? Well, they don't, well, Berean, well, I didn't, I don't know really if Pastor Abel's knew about the abuse or if he, I don't know personally, but, um, we just had to put a fake, we had to be fake, we had to be a robot. So we had to put a smile on our faces and act like we were saved. Um, so yeah, and if we got baptized, we thought we were pleasing Boyd. You know what I mean? So Well, and then the look on Abel's face when he would when he would baptize the girls would be a huge smile, which would make yeah. the girls feel validated. And yeah. I don't know if you remember Chanel, but there were times that Brother Abel's would walk by like the girls and then look at them and say, are you doing good today? And like the look on his yeah. face wasn't nice, necessarily nice. Um, I, I do remember there was a cat or not a Catholic, sorry, an atheist. There was two yeah. twins at Berean. One was an atheist and one was a Christian and he was not part of circle of hope. He was just a member of that church yeah. and he was treated completely different than his Christian brother. Like I remember the atheist brother just sitting there so sad all the time yeah. while the other yeah. brother was just at congregating with everyone else because everyone else would talk to the christian brother yeah it's just sad really because they should be just it's not a uh, church is like meant to welcome people as well you know what I mean? they don't no matter, no matter what they want to believe at the end of the day they should be welcoming they shouldn't be treating people like that personally no, and I think that anyone that was aware of the abuse happening at Circle of Hope and was in an authoritative capacity like a pastor um, should be absolutely 100% held accountable. So again, yeah. we will be in Missouri on November 14th and 15th, and we invite you to join us. <laughs> yes. Let's get some justice. <clears throat> uh, moving on, speaking of let's get some justice, um, I want to be really fucking clear on what's going on with Rachel Kelso. So you ladies take the floor. Well, when was Rachel? It was just a few, uh, like a couple of weeks before the girls got removed, wasn't it? It was in May, supposedly, that she got removed. Um, We got a message from someone telling us that the person didn't want to be, they wanted to remain anonymous but um, they found out Rachel Kelso was sent home to her parents. I think that's when Chanel, you reached out to Joel, right? Uh, yeah. Rachel's brother, Joel. Yeah. Um, what did he say? Oh, hold on. I, I, <laughs> let me just make double check. Just because I think. Yeah. Said, let me just double check. Hold on two seconds, Joel Kelso. Um, she wrote me a letter and my top parents told me she is living with them. That's what he and told me. 
so that's basically that was june the third i messaged him yeah yeah so that's basically all we know but come to find out the anonymous person that let the girl know was it was julian and so i i don't know honestly someone else reached out to joel and he said well she's no longer at that boarding school and so i don't know if that if that means she's at a different boarding school which that's how i took that comment um because i wouldn't put it past her parents um but i don't know i i was contacted by her sister um and her sister says she's been trying to get a hold of her for years now but every time she would contact circle of hope my parents would say your parents don't want you talking to your sister and every time she's contacted her parents about rachel they say oh she doesn't want to talk to you and um she said she knows for a fact rachel wants to talk to her but she's being kept away from rachel so if you are a girl from circle of hope and are willing to write up a statement for her sister please do so her sister is currently trying to get access to her sister who's a grown-ass woman a 30 year old Um, yep you know she has brain trauma from being physically and sexually abused and like legitimate brain trauma she was her head was slammed into a wall as a baby. And this is um, her older biological sister too. And they are refusing. She loves her. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're keep they're keeping everyone from Rachel. So Rachel, basically what happened after you came on our podcast um was your dad through I think Julian or someone had been like um you know made a comment about not letting us use Rachel against them and yep. getting rid of her. And then a few months later in May, um, that's when we hear that she's left. And um, I think it was true because I think when they sent uh, certain people to the school later, she wasn't there anymore. Um, And then I don't see any reason to believe that she is with her parents um, because her brother and sister have lost access to her. Um, Well, and she doesn't have a social media. I did contact a private investigator and the private investigator couldn't find anything on her. Which doesn't mean anything because her parents could be using their names, but that means that she still doesn't have a life for herself. And she's a 30-year-old woman that spent the last 14, 13 years in a boarding school, and she deserves to be happy. Yeah, she's just. I hope she hasn't been put in another place because she's been in this in circle of hope for how many years? And then gone to wherever else, and cause it's a total change. And I know quite like. A lot of people that, like my son, who's got autism, he can't deal with change. He really battles. I just want to know how she is and how she's feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's been locked away in a circle of hope for how many years? And then come into the world, if she is back with the parents, is she okay? Is she being abused by her parents? Is she happy? Like, truly happy? happy? Is she truly happy? Is she out of that brainwashing stage? Because... You know, like, you know what I mean? We just need... Oh, well, reading her letter that was put on their website, most of the girls read that and said they couldn't even finish it because it made them sick to their stomach because they're like, we know Rachel has a disability, but that didn't even sound like Rachel. That just sounded like Boyd and Stephanie's hatred all over it. And they're like, we can't even read... Like, we can't. We can't even read that. Because it it was just worse than anyone else's brainwashing. I don't know how to explain it other than, like it was it was sad we just want to make sure she's okay there's not just well she's not okay like there's no way she's okay you guys because so for the record the parents her adoptive parents 
were allowing her to be literally raped. Well, and... I don't know if it was if it was her that was raped. It was one of the adopted kids supposedly that was being raped. And they pinned it on the older sibling, the older, um, the older Rachel's biological siblings, the older boys. And um, we, I actually got this message right after I created the TikTok from a family friend. And she said that um, the Kelsos are just as vindictive and abusive as my parents are. And she was telling me all these things. And she's like, it just it just isn't it just isn't good for her there because the one brother never got charged he's now a pastor of a church and he's still if he's there and he's still i don't know just it's just it's fucked up there's there's no way this is okay and i don't understand how we haven't found some sort of advocate for people with disabilities or something to step up and help her navigate her way out of this because she does have places she can go she can go stay with her sister who is also a grown adult person. Um, you know, she can and she get out. cares and she loves her. And she was so worried when we were on the phone. Like, honestly, I want to fight for her sister to, to get custody because she does have places to go. And I think it would be a great place for her to find healing with her biological sibling that she hasn't seen in years. Because her sister was locked up at Re- Refuge, of, uh, Refuge of Grace in Stockton, Missouri, now known as Wings of Faith. Um another boarding school while Rachel was locked up. So they haven't seen each other in over 15 years. Yeah, this is horrific. Okay. We will also have an email where you can get in contact with Amanda. We'll have them get in contact with you first and you'll facilitate it. So we don't give out her information publicly. Okay. Um, So we'll have an email for Amanda um, that you can reach out if you have any affidavits that can support Rachel's sister in getting access to, or unfortunately it might be custody of Rachel because Rachel's technically co-guardians are your parents still legally. Yeah. Cause it's still up online. As far as I know, there's still legally co-guardians. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, so if you're some random person who can help us figure out how to use that loophole to, you know, the people who are under investigation for abuse like are legally the co-guardians of this adult woman with a disability who is literally missing. And unfortunately, and I'm not causing, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that she's in a facility right now because I'm confident they want to institutionalize her for the rest of her life. Well, and even if, if it's not an IFB place, who knows if they didn't lock right. her up in an abusive. Supposed, it's an institution. Yeah, exactly. She's institutionalized. And if they're going to be doing this forever, you guys, they're going to try to do it as cheap as possible. Yeah. And now I'm concerned that to keep her away from us per this threat, then now we're going to have to follow up with forever because, you know, we caused it. We're linked with this. Right. Well, and she's, she's like family to us, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Beyond. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm guilted in from the responsibility of causing potential harm. You guys love her and know her, you know. Um, and what if, if they put her in one of these overseas cheap ass programs well how will we find her so yeah again you can donate to exposing circle of home hope which does have an ein it's a nonprofit. um definitely need to get a pi for that but we really need to find an advocate who like is super knowledgeable about people with disabilities and how to navigate this system hasn't her sister got any rights because she's biological from what i was told when when rachel was at circle of hope we couldn't do anything because we were not biological and all we needed was to find her biological. 
Well, her biological sister that reached out to me changed her name, so I couldn't find her. And um, just some randomness, she found Rachel's picture, and she's like, uh, Rachel, why does your Facebook name say Amanda Householder? And I was like, oh, no, I'm Amanda Householder. I just told her the whole story, and she called me, and... Oh, man. Yeah, we do need to get someone to help us on that, to try and figure something out. I don't know what the laws are over there. Yeah, it's bullshit. Uh, It's bullshit. Uh, Yeah, you know, you had to literally escape and hitchhike across the country for your freedom here. Remember that? no no i don't remember it not at all (laughs) that me uh yeah and also you guys chanel who's in the uk gets mental health access that's like a thing (laughs) they care about your brain so you don't go crazy and then you know like seep toxic bullshit on the rest of society what a great fucking plan uh yeah (laughs) 12th of october i've got uh uh therapist i'm going to see a therapist for free (laughs) yeah cute (laughs) and again people please donate help us get therapy for free for other survivors so our friends will stop fucking dying around us because it's like literally not a joke yeah our fund is going our therapy fund will be called the joe barnett fund so eventually once we get our website up it will have a place you can donate to therapy and a place you can donate to lawyer fees yeah and i'm building a website today which has literally broken my brain i got (laughs) talktroubled.org and it'll be up this weekend um and i'll have all like the links to all that shit too because we like it would be so freaking amazing if like okay so random info guys that nobody cares about so we've hit uh podcast charts and by hit them i mean like number 200 on podcast charts in random countries like right now in ireland in the true crime we're all moving there by yep. the way chanel yeah, we're, <laughs> not, we're coming for you i was there last year my plan is in motion like we're just gonna get <laughs> All of our stuff up and running so that Ireland thinks that I can't. And I got to learn to say it without the multiple syllables. You guys, I'm so sorry. I'm colonized as fuck. Um, but we're going to get over there and, like, do our shit from there. But also, like, Norway and Finland and Honduras. Like, I'm like, yeah, you wow. guys. Oh, Honduras has charts. schools there as well. Uh, yeah. That's why we have, like, 2% of our listeners are in Australia. Because, you know, they send them all over here. And they send those kids out as well. I just found out the one that my parents worked at um, in Florida has one over in Honduras. Was so cheap, you guys, because you've seen everybody's seen the insides of the schools that they have overseas, right? You guys have seen like oh, I saw this one, yeah, yeah. It's just like dirt, and I mean, no offense, because like literally, I live camping. I'm I literally have no utilities. Like I literally am camping, so. Like, no, I take no offense, me, thank you. But, like, if you're paying 70 grand a year for your kids to live on dirt floors, like, what, like, like, you can literally make them camp at home. Like, honestly. This one was really nice, but the really, yeah, it was really nice. But, okay, so the first home we worked at, um, they did a lot of exploiting of their children, not saying that the rest don't but this one would go around at least I think it was like three months out of the year singing at different churches having kids tell stories like there was this one girl and I don't I'm I'm gonna tell you I was traumatized from hearing this story 
Um, but she told a story that um, her dad pulled her up to this home to drop her off, pulled her mom out of the car, shot her mom, and then shot himself after and in front of her. Um, and then, like, years later, when I was 18, I uh, was on her Facebook as a friend, and she's, like, tagging her mom and her biological mom and dad and things. And so I started wondering if they had kids, like, tell fake stories. But if you look at this place in Florida, it's gorgeous. They had places like Chick-fil-A donating food, like, pounds of chicken, like, daily. They had um, Chase Bank would give us so many boxes. Like, I, as a staff child, got boxes upon boxes of toys. Um, they had the Albertsons uh, school... Uh, uh, why can't I think of it? Grocery store giving the kids money for Christmas. They exploited those kids. They also have their own thrift store. Um, so, like, they put the money into things. But, like, those kids, from what I remember, weren't weren't the happiest there. Gathering pointers for, from the Kansas City staff that Boyd and Stephanie Householder have said. Uh, they're saying that the girls are apparently angry and bitter and they want some, some want to blame somebody. Uh, the girls that are making these comments and stuff, they have no, gone nowhere in life. The girls that are praising us have gone to college, have a career in the military, have a career in office building as secretaries and so forth. Boyd also said that we did restrain. Uh, adding that it was not for an hour, but 20 minutes at the most. Stephanie also said, and then she turns around and changes the date, like, oh, excuse me, I was mistaken. It happened three months earlier. That's a little fishy to me, Stephanie Householder said. And they can, told him she was 17, but when they came back, it was unsubstantiated paper they sent. They said she was 16 at the time. She was very clear that it was, quote, consensual. Now, all of a sudden, it's rape. And that's when we started having all these big problems with the allegations. We actually appealed it, but they've not even allowed us to go to court yet to, for that appeal. Boyd's household also said that mistakes have been made. When he asked what, what he meant by that, he noticed two incidents. One, he said, was when he asked him what military boot camp was like. So I got the, he said, so I got them up at four o'clock in the morning, we did exercises, PT, came in for breakfast, went back out and did PT before school, said Householder, a Marine who served in Vietnam. I was advised I wouldn't do that if I were, if I were you, so I stopped it. He also used to allow the girls to box each other. I had one girl, she wanted to box another girl because the girl was, was a bully and picking on her. He said, I went out and bought boxing gear, everything to keep it safe, mouthpieces, the whole works, and let them box. The bully became so. I had to pull her apart. She got her arm underneath another girl's arm and dislocated her shoulder, so I stopped that. My British accent, isn't it? That's right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we just heard your daddy talk shit in Chanel's accent. 
<laughs> it's so much better in your accent, Chanel. I'm like almost less offended. I know. I love her voice. I can't actually believe what he actually wrote, to be honest. Like, oh, I know, Chanel. You need to talk about <laughs> yourself and how great you yeah, are. Yeah, seriously, know, right? Chanel. How shitty are you doing? You're, I oh, mean, no. you're I know. The America's most wanted runaway. Um, obviously, your life is shit. What's up? I know. Everything's going right on my side of the pond. Like, I'm now, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm now a security guard. I've got two beautiful kids. You know what I mean? And um, I'm also working to start my own, like, business on the side. Doing bouncy castles and candy floss machines. Um, a road like one of these cowboy rodeo thingies, bull riders. I'll be renting them out and doing parties and fairs and stuff. So I'm just uh, working on that at the moment. Obviously, doing the advocacy work, and I'm hoping to be moving next March as well. Hmm. Yes. Well done. I know, and everything's going positive in my life at the moment. So just to let you know, Boyd, I'm not unsuccessful of what you're saying in your uh, letters with that news article. Like, I can't believe actually you said all that just because I didn't join the military and become a secretary. secretary, You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, I'm happy and I'm finally... Glad that that we're speaking out on the abuse that was happening there. So stop trying to point the fingers and realise that what you did is wrong to these these girls and not even these girls to these boys in the agape. You need to realise what you've done wrong. That's what you need to do and stop pointing the finger. And have you heard that saying, baby? Have you heard that saying? Stop pointing fingers because when you point a finger, three fingers are pointing back <laughs> at you. He used to say that to Is that us. what I used to say? Yes. Yes, he would say that to us. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, there you go. Stop pointing fingers. <laughs> Wait, Amanda, what were yeah. you saying about the little baby? Little babies, like little eight and nine-year-olds. Yeah. He was restraining them after, like, after we left, but he was restraining. Like, my son is seven. And he, his bones are so small. I could never no. imagine having to do that while I was there. I, I honestly, I don't know what I would have done. I, I, I would have cried for sure. But he was, he was restraining. And when I saw the pictures of the girls, they looked like they were four and five. No, sick then. Like he needs to start. Like okay, now this has happened. He just needs to start realizing. Like okay, stop being yes, a coward. Stop being a coward. That's what you need to stop doing because at the end of the day, like, you can't keep on going like this. And everyone gets caught out in the end. That's what you used to say to us as well. Truth will come out. The truth will come out. Well, the truth is coming out. um, It's already come out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and they're not sitting with it very well. Well, I love that they originally uh, released that letter a few months ago discrediting all of you. Um, I think, is that when they alluded, uh, Amanda, that you're a Satanist, um, druggie? Oh, yeah, that's a letter you know? <laughs> about my grandma and everything as well. Yeah, yeah, magic. And then they told, they then them and their attorney no longer were responding to media. And then they came out with this. Um, but then also in the meantime, they've been stalking the girls on TikTok and social media. 
and calling their employers mm. and harassing them. Um, and I mean, what the hell? Like, what? Oh, and then did you see what my mom said about the consensual? No, wait, what? Okay, so in the media, we'll read it, but in the uh, news report, my oh, mom yeah. says something about how um, it clearly stated consensual and not rape. Like she was okay with Carly having sex with her husband. Like the way she said it mm. was like, it wasn't rape. It was consensual. Like it was okay because my husband was having sex with her and she wanted it. When Carly was being raped. Yeah. She also said that, oh, because Carly changed the date as well. Well, everything. Yeah, Char- Carly changed her statement. Yeah, changed the date, like dates in her statement. Well, everything was such a blur. We don't remember the days that happened in that place because we blocked it out. Dude, no, you can't. You can't fucking remember even when you first leave because you don't really. I mean, yes, you have to write the date on your goal card. But if you were like anything like me, like you disassociate yourself. And so like you have imaginary friends or you have imaginary scenarios going on in your head because you're not fucking there. Word. Word. Um, Yeah. uh, Something really creepy that you'd mentioned per your mother thinking this sexual overlap is a gray area. Um, You had mentioned on another podcast, I think, about when your parents were restraining and then like making out like what? Yeah. yeah yeah they used to do it quite a bit so there yeah. yeah it's no someone explain that for the audience and not my voice so we would all you know how like we would all have our places like chanel would be on the legs another girl would be on the other leg i would be on the arm another girl would be on the arm my dad would be on their knee or his knee would be on their back of their head and when he would get too tired him and my mom would switch places and they would literally peck kissing while they're switching or when they would take breaks they would just kiss or even after they would just kiss and it was weird because they were always in like the most lovey doveyest mood after but they were never Ashton how often were they lovey dovey <laughs> when they yeah, hated each other I didn't really like you know what I mean it was only really then when they were restraining people otherwise you didn't really see them kissing or anything like that it was just when they're restraining really yeah, you guys, that's twisted. And then, yeah, and then, like, looking back on my childhood, it was the same way. Like, they would they would bond after, and it would just be a weird type of bond, after they literally beat the shit out of me and my brother. And so, like, they're sadistic. Yeah, they are. I'm glad you didn't catch it. Um, you know, you escaped that. Uh, oh, you know, something that I think we might want to clarify if you're up for it. When you were on this podcast in March... We talked about um, someone raping your brother. Yes. So back in March, we posted stuff online and my brother had reached out to me. And he spent hours on the phone crying to me about this rape. And from the time it happened, that's all I knew it was. Like, even the girls I would talk to, they never really spoke on it. They were just like, yeah, um, this is what we were told. My brother, Nate. He told me, he's like, I don't think it was rape. I think Julian and her had, like, a thing, and they were doing things together. And so, like, talking to Julian, I honestly, he's my little brother. So I believed him. He was 12. She was 17. Like, who would know better, you know? Um, I started thinking more on it because my little brother has always been a big kid. Jan- or Chanel can vouch for this. He was a black belt in mm. karate. 
And by the time he was 12, I'm pretty sure he was a second, uh, like he had a double black belt or something like that. And he was like six foot something. And I was talking to Maggie and I was like, Maggie, I know you don't remember much about the situation, but do you think she would be willing to talk to me about it? And Maggie's like, Amanda, that night I um, saw her running across the street because they have two houses, two properties, and they're both across the highway from each other. So girls were always crossing this unsafe highway. And she's like, I saw her face and it was ghost white. She's like, she was frightened. She asked me and she's like, this is not a normal thing. Chanel can even Mm. vouch for it. Girls are not normally allowed to change clothes. And so she's like, Maggie, I have to change my clothes. Maggie, I have to change my clothes. And Maggie's like, why do you have to change your clothes? And she's like, I spilt, spilt tea on my, my clothes. And Maggie said, when I looked down at it, it was all white. And she's like, I knew it wasn't tea. And she's like, so I was like, go, just, just go change your clothes. Um, so I reached out to the girl and she told me, she wants to be very clear. She understands that Julian is a victim of the cult-like setting and watching my dad get away with things. She understands he was a little kid, but what happened to her was rape. She was in the house across the street cleaning because that was her job. And she was the only one across there besides Julian. Julian, this six foot 12 year old, tackles her to the ground, pen like is holding her shoulders to the ground. And she's like, Amanda, all I could do was put my hands over my vagina. She's like, I've never had sex. She had spent most of her life in a boarding school setting. And so she's like, I didn't even know what come was. She's like, I do know now. She's like, all I knew was I wanted it off of me. All I knew is I just wanted this off. And she had witnessed months before another girl, Maggie also witnessed this instance too, get pinned to a chair and dry humped by my brother. And this girl was belittled in front of everyone, made to tell her parents it didn't happen. And so this girl understood that she wasn't going to, no matter what she did, she was going to be labeled a rapist. So she just did what she was told. She wrote the letter that my parents forced her to write and sent it to her mother. My parents kicked her out to a different boarding school, I think, at this point, if I remember correctly. And by the time she got out when she was 18, her mother said she wanted nothing to do with her because she raped that little boy. So what's incredible about this is the level of injustice for this woman. Because what, like, she's not within any statute of limitations, right? No. And then no. everyone, no one and, believed her for for a decade? Yeah. Not only did she lose her parents, her whole reputation was destroyed. She had to change her name. And there's no way for us to hold them accountable for what they did to this girl. No. And... I'm not necessarily sure she wants it because, like I said, she says she understands, but she does want to see justice happen for all the other girls. 
Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that we clarified it because the narrative that we told was perpetuating, you know, this, the lies, the lies. against her that just destroyed her fucking life. Um, so yeah. I'm glad we had an opportunity to correct that. I wish there was a way to correct it for her. I hope that there is a way somehow that she can at least be part of enough justice that she feels some of it for herself. So if we can give yeah. her access to opportunities for that when she's ready. But um, is this the rape allegation that your parents named you as a witness on? I I don't think so. They named me on one um, February 26, 2009, and they kicked me out January sometime. So I wasn't even there. I was celebrating my birthday in Florida with my grandma because we spent a whole week celebrating me because my grandma has always been the best at celebrating birthdays. So I wasn't even there. I was in Florida I was having there. the time of my life. I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't see it. I just remember being called into the living room and being told that our parents were going to be told and the police were going to be called or something as well. But I don't think any of that happened. But it was with a staff say- staff member and one of the students. It was with Ron Sheldon. Ron Sheldon. And one yeah. of the students. Did the police ever show up? No. Or do you ever remember the police coming? No, yeah. I don't remember the police. Didn't- but we got told that our parents, we didn't, don't say anything. Our parents are going to be told, and so is the police. But I don't think. Oh, and then nothing. Got this told. guy went back and worked at Agape. Yeah. Wait, which guy went back? He's no longer and there. Ron Sheldon. Ron Sheldon. Agape. My parents actually contacted Agape to find out how to handle the situation, mm. and <laughs> that's yeah. And so that's how they got to figure out how to handle the situation. And then he ended up working back at Agape with his wife until this year. I no, not this year. I think last year if i remember correctly yeah he was living at circle of hope with his wife and his newborn baby as well yeah she just had the baby baby yeah just had the baby and he raped one of the girls at circle of hope yeah not just one there's been other girls that um yeah but the only one that one one was was in 2009 that's the only one that came out no that was they all it was all in 2009 but that's the only one that came out yeah there were other girls that have come forward and told Naomi that it happened to them as well. You know, it's like, it just, it never ends. It's the list just keeps and even with my own program, you know, it's been like a decade since they closed. Probably not like five, six years, whatever. It feels like forever. And I'm still having new friends pop up and being like, no, yeah, he stopped. He sodomized me too. And it's like, Oh, oh my cool. God. That's great. Like, third like we and that's you know the music man yeah but there's multiple predators at my program too just like your dad's school i mean circle of hope they were only they weren't even around for a decade and we've already got three rapists that we've three you know at least we're at at least three rapists in one program that was only open for 10 years mine was open for 30 years it had at least six rapists that i know about one that was there the whole time who was preying on boys and girls the whole time openly i mean these pro the, there's no way your dad didn't know about either of the other rapists oh, under no. his roof there's no way well and he knew about ron and he knew about julian because they made lots of, all of the girls that julian sexually assaulted they made sign or write a letter 
that it was consensual or sign a statement saying it never happened. Right. I'm like literally picturing cigar breaks in the evening where these predators are talking to each other about, yeah, you know, like yeah. figuring out, yeah, like who, yeah. you know, um, this shit's ridiculous. Well, then agape, like, like 30 years. And I want to know how many sexual predators have gone through there. I know multiple friends yeah. that were sexually molested there and sodomized at agape right and i got and it's yeah well. and agape is related with circle all these you know uh-huh. it's like yep. there is genuinely a predator club where all these people are learning how to get parents to pay them insane amounts of money to rape their kids to abuse yep to abuse and rape their kids. literally this is crazy yeah I don't know. That's the, that's the way I look at it, you guys. You know, just yeah, oh, it is. Some childhood memories from the three of us. You're welcome, everybody. Oh God, oh. right? Like, I oh oh. Also, things, guys. Make sure that you RSVP, get your tickets for Naira, the National Youth Rights Association. Their annual conference is coming up in October, and Amanda and I are both going to be on the Trouble Teen Industry Panel. Um, so awesome. That'll be fun. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. We have Gabe too. I don't know if we know anyone else on the panel, but it's the three of us. We know each other, so that'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I know Gabe Gabe is gonna be there. I know you're gonna be there. I don't think I know anyone else that is going to be on the panel, but I do know you. Sam. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> half the panel, you guys. So we're, it's gonna be great. <laughs> be so you guys wanna be there. So RSVP for that shit. And also, um, you know, Chanel and Amanda are thinking of coming on and regularly, you know, however often they do, continuing to do the coverage for Circle of Hope so that we can talk about it a little bit more regularly. Awesome. Yeah. Yes, definitely. definitely. Covering the Lester Roloff portion of it, if yeah. that's at all that's possible. A, oh, because that's a big rabbit hole, though, man. Huge. Jesus. Yeah. Well, I was just going down We can down start with down. episode one. <laughs> <laughs> you can just, that's all you can do is just try to start. I know... The Lester Roloff stuff, I'm really hoping that you guys are the ones who crack the official, like, connection with Synanon. Um, yeah, I was looking into that as well when you told uh-huh. me to. Yeah, you were looking into it. Yeah, Chanel, give us a little elevator pitch. What do we have to look forward to on your random little <laughs> give us Wait, a have... historical thing on the Oxford group? Oh, no, I've got to find my notebooks. Oh, no, we put her on the that. spot. I'm putting on the spot. I've got my notebook somewhere, and I'm lying in bed. <laughs> I think that it's, it's currently the lich three, fields, right? It's current, currently three eighteen in the morning in England. Oh no, you guys! That is a super subtle way for us to like wrap this bitch up. Yeah, but yeah, lots, lots of stuff coming soon. Then, so you'll be fine. Um, and we're gonna have shit tons of links in this episode description, uh, for everything that we talked about. So just follow that over. Awesome. That sounds like a plan, Batman. <laughs> Follow our <Forest>. signal. Our... <laughs> right? All right, ladies. Thank you so much for hanging out, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. I love That's you. Nice. Love you. you. Love you guys. Bye. Trigger warning. What I am about to read is extremely heartbreaking, but extremely important. With the permission of my friend, Michelle, I am about to read my friend Joe Barnett's last words. It is extremely important for people to understand the lifetime effects the troubled teen industry has 
on people. What agape did to my friend and how it affected him and now his wife. These places don't just affect kids, it affects their families in the future as well. Let me die. It would be a lie if I said I wasn't crying. I'm going to miss you, growing into what is you. Why won't you let me die? Every day I lie in pain. Please just say goodbye. Let me go before I'm insane. Every day that I wake is another nightmare. I take these pills, smoke this weed, so I don't really care. Why won't you let me die? And a failure as a father in every way. Failed every way as a husband for 10 years straight. Why won't you let me die? I was raised in a way I don't want you to feel. Every day I become my parents is real. I just want you to grow without me fucking you up. Every scream, every swing, I just want to throw up. You have to let me die. Every day that I wake and every breath that I take needs to be the end. Needs to be the end. I still hear all your voices echoing in my head, haunting me forever. You'll be better when I'm dead better off when I'm dead. I have a terminal illness. Depression kills. I fought it hard for eight plus years and I've lost that battle. That's a decision I have made. This is the end of my life. I can't take waking up anymore. Every day is torture. Every day, all day. All I think about is dying, being dead, being gone, <laughs> nothingness. I have to hide this from my family because I know they will try and stop me, but only delay the inevitable. I will miss my wife so much. She's done so much and fought so hard. Her hardships are worse than mine. She is the strong one. She has been my rock. After boarding school, I never learned to share my trauma, to let others in so she never saw the real pain. I never let her in on my struggle. <laughs> this life I have, this isn't living. This is dying. I have been dying a long time now. I've decided when Congress passed the CARES Act, that was it for me. I was going to take that money and leave it for them to help as best as I knew how. It's over tomorrow. Tomorrow at noon. I will file for unemployment one more time. And I will make up an excuse to leave the house. I'm going to go buy a gun. Go to my car and load it. Get out of my car. And be free. I've been taking a lot of acid recently. My wife thinks it's to help the depression it used to be. And it has amazing, 
abilities to do just that. But that's not why I took it the last few weeks. I took it to prepare to die, to mentally prepare myself to end my life. I wish I could have been honest with everyone. I wish I could have said goodbye. Especially to my sons, Jax, Brody, and Brady. I love you more than anything. <laughs> but I am a terrible father. I don't want you to grow up to be like me. Be like your mom. <laughs> be strong. Be kind. Take care of yourself and help others, even when it's a burden. <laughs> I wish I could see your first crush, your first win, your first graduation and marriage and kids. <laughs> and all the milestones in between, but I can't. <laughs> I had to go. I don't know if you'll ever understand or forgive me for that, but I hope you remember how much I love and care about you. <laughs> Michelle, I love you more than anyone I've ever loved in my life. I chose you. I failed you for that. I'm sorry. You deserve so much better than I can offer you. You're my angel. <laughs> forgive me. Forgive me. So, Miranda again, I would just like to apologize to Amanda Householder and also thank her for putting herself through that, which was obviously not easy. Um, this is the dark side of breaking our code of silence and telling our story um, that, you know, that I, we ask our friends to put ourselves in these positions so that you, the general public, can hopefully really feel and understand the pain, the suffering in our community. Um, every time that a number is added to the list, this is a person with a family, and the ripple effects go on and on. If you don't exist in a community where you're watching and counting your friends drop beside you, then I don't know that you can understand what this is like. I don't have words for it. But we are in a very surreal final destination countdown. And the people that we love the most, that are our biggest supporters, that we rely on the most to walk this path with us, are the ones that are the most at risk, including ourselves. None of us are spared this trauma or the consideration that our numbers on the list and the concern of when it's coming. I hope that, um, I hope that bearing this accomplishes something. And so please, again, the donation link, the GoFundMe for Joe's family is in the description here. We'll be posting it everywhere. Um, most of us are not in good financial situations. I think this is global. Uh, I'm literally camping. So, um, we understand if you don't have money to support his family, that's fine. But if you could use other forms of currency, such as prayer, if that's not offensive to you, praying is amazing. We need that. Um, but also just, you know, share the GoFundMe, get it out there. Let's amplify it. Um, Joe's wife is a now a single mother with three children during a global pandemic with no job. And she now has an excessive 
trauma bill for the death of her husband, um, as well as funeral costs, and just the fact that she has to support her family while dealing with this intense trauma um, during a global pandemic. So please support her if you can. And also a reminder that Exposing Circle of Hope is a nonprofit. We are opening the lines to accept donations for mental health support for survivors. And we do have three providers that are willing to offer incredibly low cash scale so that we can raise the donations and pay um, to get our brothers and sisters into this so that they're not losing their fight um, in the meantime. So if you would like to donate to that, you can send it over on PayPal. Uh, our Gmail for that is mycircleoftruth at gmail.com. And again, everything is linked in this. And again, we thank you for facing the shadow with us. None of this is easy. We know this isn't some sort of feel-good podcast. And so we do appreciate everyone and their courage and fortitude in facing America's most open secret of institutionalized child abduction, trafficking, detainment, torture, and murder. And so until next time, it's time to save the kids. The kids are not all right. Please subscribe and review us so that more people can hear these stories. Thank you again.